There are those in the body who just exude a cheerful, and the Greek word there, we get our word hilarity from. There's just a joy about their acts of mercy. In fact, I think that's how you can sometimes recognize the gift of mercy, is that not only are they merciful and doing acts of kindness and goodness and compassion, and they're sensitive to the hurting ones in the flock, but they do it with a joy and a cheerfulness where it just, there's a Christ-likeness about it. And that's, that's blessed of God, and God really uses that. Having just heard what a shepherd is to do, our leadership should be a merciful leadership. And uh, this should characterize all who follow the Lord. Welcome to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, The Priority of Proclamation. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. At work, you're there on Monday morning. You know you've got to be if you're going to get ahead. And you give it your best shot at work. But in things of the Lord, maybe in those most crucial roles, men, let him who leads husbands do so with diligence. Maybe you've been pretty casual, lackluster. In fact, you've tempted your wife. If she wants to see the family led spiritually, she's got to do it, it seems. And you've tempted a role reversal because you've been, lackadaisical, sluggish. No, if God called you to lead, do so with diligence. I mean, God called us, husbands, to lead our families. He entrusted our wives to us. We're going to be held accountable to what kind of spiritual leadership we give our family. This isn't written just to church leaders or governmental leaders or business leaders. He's writing to any who lead. Now, I think specifically he's talking about uh, those who have a specific role of leadership. And so I speak strongly to husbands. I speak to fathers. Do we lead with diligence? Uh, do your kids see in you a spiritual earnestness? You know, this word is sometimes translated haste. When Mary uh, got the news, she went with haste to Elizabeth's house. She went with this word, diligence. In other words, first priority. And she didn't let anything get in her way. She went with haste. Do your kids see that in you, men? Do they see that the first priority in your life is Christ? Do you lead with diligence? Are you followable is a, another way of looking at it. Because if you're not leading with diligence, those who are following you aren't being led aright. Lead with diligence. You know, I think every leader ought to regularly read two passages. And so often, I find myself being exhorted by these two passages, one in the Old, uh, New Testament, one in the Old. And uh, I'm thinking of 1 Peter 5, and I'm thinking of Ezekiel 34. Turn over to 1 Peter 5 for just a second. 1 Peter, back at the back of the New Testament. You see, in the church, there's no place for half-hearted, lackadaisical, uh, reluctant leaders. If you're called to lead, lead with diligence, he says. 
And I love the way Peter, as a leader in the church, he doesn't lord it over those allotted to his charge, and he calls us not to either. He doesn't have some great big title that he kind of clubs people with. No, he's learned uh, what leadership really is all about. He's following the leader, Jesus Christ. And in so doing, this is toward the end of Peter's life. There might have been a day when he would have been brash and cocky and thrown his weight around, and maybe if he'd had a title, used it. But that's not Peter after he's walked with the Lord for a while. He says, therefore, verse 1, I exhort, I encourage, I urge the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that's to be revealed. I'm a leader, he says, I'm just a fellow elder. I'm a, I exhort the leaders among you, the elders among you, as your fellow elder. And as I look back, I do everything I do in light of what Christ did on the cross and the fact that he's coming back. I live in light of Christ. He says, shepherd the flock of God among you. Not under compulsion. Leadership that says, well, I guess I better do this, isn't leadership of diligence. Uh, no, lead with diligence. He says, shepherd the flock of God among you, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God. It's God's will that you give it your best shot. I'm making every effort, Jude wrote. I made every effort to, to guard you and protect you. And that's the same term, diligence, according to the will of God and not for sordid gain. And one of the characteristics of... of uh, less than diligent leadership is leadership that just enjoys some of the fringe. Bennies. There are many who desire to be church leaders, for instance, just because they think there's a lot of benefits to it and they'd like to enjoy uh, whatever the fringe benefits are to leadership. And you'll see that in the home too. Husbands who just say, I'm the leader around here. And they make sure everybody knows it, and they just kind of want to enjoy the fact that they think they can call all the shots, etc. That's not what he's talking about. He says, not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. Nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. Oh, if God has called you to lead a Bible study, if God has entrusted little ones to you, if you are leading children in our ministries, or in a home Bible club, or any number of other settings, or you think of just those little ones that God has entrusted to you mothers, and you're leading them. Oh, read this regularly. Shepherd the flock of God among you, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, not for what you get out of it, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd, look at verse 4, when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive your reward. But keep that in mind. Look back at what he did for you. You want to follow a leader? Follow the leader, Jesus Christ. And look what he did for you. And live in light of his return. Lead in that way. Uh, mind that passage for what it means to lead with diligence. And then I say, turn to Ezekiel 34 and just listen to an Old Testament passage. Ezekiel 34. And uh, there's more than we could read in this chapter about 
God's idea of leading with diligence, but uh, we'll read a portion of it, and I think you'll see the positive and the negative. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the leaders. Speak out God's word. Prophesy against the leaders, the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Woe, shepherds of Israel, who've been feeding themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. Those who are sickly you have not strengthened. The diseased you have not healed. The broken you have not bound up. The scattered you have not brought back. Nor have you sought for the lost, but with force and with severity you have dominated them. And they were scattered for lack of a shepherd. And they became food for every beast of the field and were scattered. My flock wandered throughout all the mountains and on every high hill. And my flock was scattered over all the surface of the earth. And there was no one to search or seek for them. (laughs) You can't miss, can you, where God's heart is and what disgusted him and what he pronounced a woe on. And then... Verse 10, thus says the Lord God, behold, I'm against the shepherds and I shall demand my sheep from them and make them cease from feeding sheep. So the shepherds will not feed themselves anymore, but I shall deliver my flock from their mouth that they may not be food for them. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd cares for his herd in the day when he's among his scattered sheep, so I will care for my sheep. Now watch what he will do as the shepherd. I will care for my sheep and will deliver them from all the places to which they are scattered. They were scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and bring them to their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the streams and in all the inhabited places of the land. I will feed them in a good pasture and their grazing ground will be on the mountain heights of Israel. There they will lie down in good grazing ground and they will feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock and I will lead them to rest, declares the Lord. Can you miss it? I'm going to take care of my sheep. I'm going to feed them. I'm going to see to it that they get rest. I'm going to bind up the wounded. I'm going to heal the brokenhearted. And when Jesus Christ came on the scene, he read from the book of Isaiah and said, this is my commission. And he came and did just that. Oh, are you leading your family men? Are you feeding them? Are you making sure they've got good nourishment spiritually? Or do you just say, I'll grab a sandwich, whatever. Throw a little canned food out on the table, you know. Oh, Prepare meals for them. Lead them with diligence. Feed them. Get them in the good grazing ground. I will seek the lost, verse 16. If they're hurting, are you the kind of leader that goes out after them? When you teach a Sunday school class, do you just say, well, I made it through another Sunday? Or or do you look for what they're hurting and where they're maybe wandering off and go get them and bring them back? Lead with diligence. 
Bind up the broken, strengthen the sick, but the fat and the strong I'll destroy. I'll feed them with judgment, God says. Oh, you can see a lot about what God cares about when you watch uh, these two passages. And I say, I think everyone who leads, and that's all of us, but if God puts you in a particular role of leadership and you say, I want to lead with diligence, he says to read, read Peter 5, read Ezekiel 34 regularly. Let those principles seep into your heart. See what kind of a shepherd God is and then seek to be that kind of an under-shepherd. And I believe it goes right with it, and I don't see how you can miss the connection. Look back at our text in Romans 12, and he says, He who leads... With diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Uh, mercy. Even as he just described shepherding and leading, his language was almost a textbook definition of mercy. That compassion and that care and that pity doesn't give people what they deserve, but gives them grace and compassion and has mercy on them. Now, we're all to show mercy. In fact, that's the earmark of Christians is that we're to be merciful. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. I mean, when Jesus started his great sermon and talked about the character of those who are subject to him, he said, happy, blessed are the merciful. We are merciful because we've found mercy. But there are some who have a particular gift of mercy. And I'll tell you what, you see it. Notice, look at verse 8. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. There are those in the body who just exude a cheerful, and the Greek word there, we get our word hilarity from. There's just a joy about their acts of mercy. In fact, I think that's how you can sometimes recognize the gift of mercy, is that not only are they merciful and doing acts of kindness and goodness and compassion, and they're sensitive to the hurting ones in the flock, but they do it with a joy and a cheerfulness where it just there's a Christ-likeness about it. And that's, that's blessed of God, and God really uses that. And I would combine these two. I don't see how you can read this uh, phrase and not having just heard what a shepherd is to do to see that our leadership should be a merciful leadership. And uh, this should characterize all who follow the Lord. It isn't merely just a cheerfulness like a sunny disposition. It's more than that. It's a Christ-like cheerfulness that shows mercy. I mean, in all ministry, whether it be serving or giving or teaching or whatever we're doing, mercy should permeate what we do. And it should be a cheerful merciness, mercifulness. Uh, remember, uh, look over to Ephesians 2 for just a minute. Again, and it's amazing to me how often we're turned back to the character of Christ, the character of God himself. But uh, it seems to me ministry flows, serving others flows from realizing that he was merciful to us. And I love that little phrase in Ephesians 2, verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy... Because of his great love with which he loved us. Now I jump right in. 
and read, but God. But Paul didn't jump right in. He had just described what we were, what all of us are in our sin by nature. Dead in our trespasses and sins, verse 1. Formerly walking according to the course of this world. Do you find yourself merely pointing your finger at this world and saying how evil it is and not realizing that's where we were? That's where we would be. But for God's mercy. We were dead in our trespasses. We were living according to the prince of the power of the air, the sons of disobedience. Among them, verse 3, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and our very nature was that way. We were by nature children of wrath, just like the rest, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. Uh, we serve one who is merciful. God is rich in mercy. Every morning, thank God for his mercy to you, and then ask God that he'd make you merciful, that you would be Christ-like in that way. Remember the story Jesus said? Uh, that he gave that uh, when, Jesus, when I think it was Peter spoke up and said, how, how often should I forgive my brother? You know? And Jesus told him, just keep forgiving. Peter said, well, seven times. And he thought that was really going the extra mile. And he said, no, 70 times seven. And then he told the story, you remember, about the guy that forgave all that debt. And then the guy that had been forgiven this huge amount of debt went out and started exacting payment from one of his little penny ante debts that somebody owed him. And Jesus applied it to life. And he said, listen, you have been given mercy. And he says in Matthew 18, 33, as he summarizes that story, should you not also have had mercy, even as I had mercy on you? We, of all people, should be merciful. We should show mercy. And I'll tell you, people all around us need mercy today. I believe that uh, we fall far short in this area. We tend to look around askance at the sin around us, which we should. I mean, he's going to say, verse 9, abhor what is evil. We should hate sin, but we should look with mercy on sinners. We should show mercy to stumbling ones. He does. He is rich in mercy. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Now look back at our text. And let me just give a little bit of uh, context because each one of these phrases has so much, and yet I don't want us to miss the overall picture. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. We're going to, Lord willing, next time look at verse 9 and following as he begins to describe the Christian life in a a more general terms. He kind of leaves off with gifts now at verse 9, and just begins to talk about Christianity in general. And he calls for a genuine love and an uncompromising holiness. And uh, 
it, it's tied right with, I mean, we don't want to divorce it from what we've just seen. Give. Give with liberality. Give with generosity. Give with simplicity. Give for His glory alone. Lead with diligence. Make it the top priority of your life to lead those God has entrusted to your charge. Realize God's going to hold you accountable for how you lead. Lead with diligence. Give it your best shot. Don't be sluggish or slothful or procrastinating. If God has given you a ministry, and He has, do it with diligence. And do all that we do with mercy. Oh, and honor those who have the gift of mercy. You know who they are. I mean, in a congregation like this, there are some people you just love to see coming, so to speak. When you're hurting, they come and they show mercy. We should honor that gift. He who shows mercy, do it with cheerfulness. We should honor that gift and we should recognize how Christ-like the gift of mercy really is. But we should all manifest mercy as we've been shown mercy. Now, none of this is just a pep talk and things that we've got to just start doing. I've got to start giving. I've got to start leading. I've got to start showing mercy. I've got to start doing this, this, and lose sight of where the power is. None of this should be ripped from context as if Christianity is just about 16 things to do. No. I urge you, brethren, by the what? Mercies of God. Everything flows from His mercy. The whole chapter flows from God's mercy. We're to be merciful because He is. I urge you, given what He's done for you, give yourself to Him, and here's what it'll look like. And the Christian life isn't you just gutting out 12 things or something. The Christian life is Jesus Christ living His life through you as you devote yourself to Him. So in one sense, each message we come to here, I would come back to verse 1 and say, your job description in the morning, at lunch, at nighttime, tomorrow morning, the next coffee break, throughout life, our job description is to put ourselves at His disposal. And Paul said, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. He's the one who lives in and through us by the power of His Holy Spirit. And as we allow Him to take charge of our life, He will give us that diligence in leadership. He will cause us to be merciful like He is merciful. There will be a genuine love. Oh, we'll hate sin and we'll cling to what is good because He does. He is the definition of good. And Christ's life will show in and through our lives. That's God's goal for us. That's God's goal for the church. We are the body of Christ. Oh, we're many members, but one body. And He desires that the life of His Son be seen today in Portland. Today, in our generation, He wants people to see Christ. And amazingly, they will as we function as the body of Christ. You've been listening to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled The Priority of Proclamation, a message from our series in the Book of Romans. 
If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to abideintheword.us. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're excited to announce that Downtown Bible Class will have a new name beginning in April. The program will be called Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Same Christ-centered teaching, same music, same announcer, same times and radio stations. Our new website will be abideintheword.us. Our listeners will have the same access to listen, download, or connect via podcast. Why not head over to our new site and check it out? There will be access there to the entire archive of messages from Pastor Scott, easily searchable and accessible for your use. Again, that's abideintheword.us. We'd like to remind you that Abide in the Word only remains on this station through the generous contributions of listeners like you. Would you prayerfully consider partnering with us in this Bible teaching ministry? We'd love to have you join us. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. But God, being rich in mercy, even because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, he raised us up and seated us with Christ in the heavenlies. This is the gospel. And the Bible says it often, but I draw your attention to that first word. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened that while they were perplexed about this, behold, Suddenly, angels stood near them in dazzling apparel. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott begins part two of the message titled, The Priority of Proclamation. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.